0: Uh uh-huh.
1: not at all. Down here, man?
0: Let's go. Yeah. Underestimated and still I made it. In the book of hard knocks, I'm highly educated. Nobody told me looked over, but still dedicated. Played in the league for 13, I ain't gotta, I ain't gotta be, be favored. Favorite. Two Super Bowls, Honolulu, I stood with the greatest. The thing is this, i never rich, I'm good with my neighbors. DB precision, television, ain't ask for no favors. Numbers don't lie, neither do pictures, just look in the papers. No backing down or turning back. Part two of the movie. Never the biggest, but it takes more than two just to move me. Ain't gotta like what I'm saying. Just watch me go to work and tackle all of these topics right here on Face First.
1: Welcome to Face First. I've been gone for a while. Uh life happens, and I had some trips to take. We had Thanksgiving, so I took off and and now we're back. Um it's been a pretty cool time in in, in sports, right? It's like baseball ends and You kind of get into baseball, free agency, and now they're moving into a lockout. Football really gets it to the dog days. Now you have bye games. Now you have injuries. People figuring out, okay, who stacks up where when it comes to the playoffs. And football really gets going in college. Now we have championship week. And usually during championship week, there are teams that are not playing in the championship, and you get coaching changes. And so that's what we have. And Coaching changes makes me think about the culture of sports, the culture of locker rooms, the culture of teams, the culture of organizations, because many times the the coach brings in that culture, or sometimes that culture is already there, and the people that are hiring the coach, they want to find someone that can uphold that tradition and continue that culture. But sports culture Isn't about about race. It isn't about 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 hometowns. It isn't about about upbringing. You see, like like sports culture and and then the culture of of a locker room or a team or an organization is like like these things are built are built through ups, downs, wins, losses um, and kind of like the behaviors that are learned from navigating those things. And that's whether or not you have dudes who play there who now come back to explain some of the things that they've been to. Or if you go to a university, dudes who are from that state, who are from that area, who just love that university, who chose that place. Right. Because see, I tell everybody, I tell people all the time, though, I played for New York, though, I played for Washington, though, I played for Pittsburgh. I didn't choose. I didn't really get to choose those places like the, 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 the ground wasn't equal. And I said, you know what, of all those places that I have equal opportunity to go to, I want to go to New York as an undrafted free agent. That wasn't what it was. What it was for me is I ain't not have nowhere else to go. And when Washington gave me a call because they didn't even have a foul on me, Washington gave me a call because my coach from New York was not a DB coach in Washington. I didn't have a choice because I was working at Tiger Athletic Foundation 30 minutes from where I am right now. So that was my only opportunity to work out and get a job. And then when Pittsburgh came up, I remember praying before I ever went to Pittsburgh. I was hurt. Uh, Washington signs Adam Archuleta. I have an opportunity to go on a trip to Pittsburgh. I have a trip to Seattle set up, a trip to Atlanta. And all these things are going on. I get offered my... I, first, Pittsburgh tells me I have a knee injury that's going to take surgery, and that wasn't true. Uh, they just messed it up. But, but then when I'm offered my contract at Pittsburgh... I have no other offers. Lawyer Maloa has just gone to Atlanta. Seattle at the time wasn't going to take a visit. So I I agree. I signed at Pittsburgh. And then other things open up. But it's too late because God just said, you know what? That's where you're supposed to be. But it wasn't like I had 32 choices and that's what I pick. When it comes to picking your college, that's what happens. And so then all of a sudden we get to this weekend and Lincoln Riley is asked a very poignant question. The question Lincoln Riley was asked at Oklahoma before Bedlam was, will you be the next head coach at LSU? And this is Saturday when I see this interview, so I believe it's Saturday. Maybe it was Friday night. I'm not sure. And he says unequivocally, without blanking, without stuttering, without thinking, I will not be the next head coach at LSU. And guess what? He ain't tell no lies because he was the next head coach at Oklahoma. But think about what he got. 110 million. You're going to buy both of my houses. Why you need two houses in Oklahoma? I don't know. You're going to buy both of my houses for half a million over asking price. So that's That's another million dollar bonus you give me. I got the PJ, 365, 24-7. And you're going to give me a $6 million house in LA. You're going to buy it for me. And I got access to all of California? Now, if you're a USC, you got to make this happen. Here's why. The top three quarterbacks for the Heisman candidacy are Matt Corral. Matt Corral, I'm not doing this in order. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. All of these dudes are from California. None of these dudes go to USC. That's a problem. When somebody wants to leave California to live in Mississippi, that's a problem. If somebody wants to leave California To live in Tuscaloosa, that's a problem. If they leave California to go to cold ASS Columbus, that's an issue. So Oklahoma said, no matter what, in some way, we got to find a way to fix this issue. Now, Lincoln Riley says that he didn't get the call until Sunday morning. That's probably true. I don't think the man's a liar. They asked the man, was he going to be LSU's next head coach? And he said, hell no. And he was not lying. So Lincoln Riley's going to be the next coach at Oklahoma. Lincoln, I mean, USC. Lincoln Riley says, now being at USC, that USC is going to be the mecca of football. One of his former players at Oklahoma says, You just told us that last week. Because the meccas of football, right? The cultures of football, right? They don't always stay at the institution. See, Lincoln Riley has a culture of football, a way that he wants to play football, that already has him signing the number one, uh, the number one quarterback in the twenty twenty three class that's from California when he leaves, when he when he makes it to USC. The portal opens up at Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley leaves because to many of those people, Lincoln Riley is the culture there. It's not about the Holloways. It's not about. It's not about the Stoops. Right. It's not about. It's not about all these players, the, 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 the hypes. It's not about the Kyler Murray's. It's not about all those guys. It was Lincoln Riley that made that a thing. They don't care about Sam Bradford. They don't care about Roy Williams. They don't care about what used to be the Red River Shootout. They don't care about none of those things. What they cared about and the reason they went were Lincoln Riley. But the Oklahoma Sooners, the university, feels like they have a culture that was built before him. A culture that was built on national championships. A culture that was built on first round draft picks. A culture that was built on consistently and constantly being in the running to be a winner. But to some of these young kids, that wasn't the culture they signed up for. They signed up for the culture that was run by Lincoln Riley. They signed up for the culture that my coach could come sit at any table of any quarterback in any place in the country, any place in the world to say, do you want to win a Heisman? Do you want to be the first overall pick of the NFL draft? And if those answers are yes, then I'm your dude. And it doesn't even have to be like question, right? It doesn't even have to be that you're trying to figure out if it could happen because that's what his track record says. The same way that we watch Nick and Nick could come into your house and say, look here. And you come to my school, you're going to win a national championship. He'll just lay his rings out on the table. Not only will you win a national championship, you'll have an opportunity to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft because that's what he does. And so now, though, the culture of Oklahoma has to shift. You have to bring somebody in. You got to find you a coach and say, listen, this is the culture that we want to uphold. Here are the things that we want to do. Here is how we go about doing those things and how we've done those things forever. Can you fit that? And if he can fit that, then you take him. And so my school, my school was the next school to get a new head coach. We got Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. Scott Woodward, I got to give it to you, my man. You are a big game hunter. You successful in baseball in Out West? Come be our baseball coach. You a Hall of Fame basketball, uh, women's basketball coach in Texas? Come be our basketball coach. You coached for a decade at the most historic and prestigious college football program in the history of the country. Come be our next football coach. That's what Scott Woodward does. I'm not surprised by that. It doesn't shock me that he was able to get Brian Kelly to leave Notre Dame to come to LSU because what Brian Kelly doesn't have is a national championship. You know why he doesn't have a national championship? Because no matter how well he can coach. No matter how good he was with the X's and O's. When Notre Dame had to see Oklahoma, you didn't have enough guys. When Notre Dame had to see Alabama, you didn't have enough guys. When they had to see Georgia, you didn't have enough guys. Yeah, you had enough guys to win one or two big games a year that put you in the college football playoffs every year because you were at Notre Dame, but you didn't have the dudes. He's here because they got the dudes here. Because they got the dudes in LSU. That's why he's here. The last three coaches that LSU has hired, no matter how you see them, Les Miles, I mean, I'm sorry, before Les, Nick Saban, Les Miles, Ed Ogeron all won championships. We know that Nick won because he's Nick. We know that Nick could have probably won a championship had he stayed at Michigan State, but he was smart enough to come to LSU. We've watched Nick do the same thing at Tuscaloosa, right? Which is steep in tradition as well, which is cultured in tradition as well. The culture of success is there as well. They just knew that Nick was the dude that could bring that back. That's why they got him. But they missed and missed and missed and missed. And that culture changed in between that time. In between Bear Bryant wearing the hat. Right? And Nick wearing the mock turtleneck. They sucked. That culture didn't carry over because culture is ever evolving. Culture is an everyday thing. No matter how steep a tradition. No matter how steep a success. No matter how steep in winning. Culture is an everyday thing. And culture is ever evolving. The minute... Your culture stops evolving is the minute you stop winning and they find somebody else to create the culture that they want. That's what LSU did. The culture stopped evolving. Or the culture evolved into something that wasn't going to allow success. Into something that wasn't going to look, whether it was inside or from the outside perception, the way you needed it to look. So Scott Woodward did what Scott Woodward does. He went big game hunting and he got Brian Kelly to leave Notre Dame, right? And come to LSU. I don't have an issue with that. You got a winner, you got a resume. Not only did Scott Woodward do what Scott Woodward does, LSU did what LSU does. LSU hired an old white dude. I don't have a problem with that. That's what they do, right? Billy Napier. Mel Tucker, these are all people I was like, oh, young, vibrant, energetic. I was excited. I was like, oh, my goodness, we got a chance to change the pace. Get a dude right there that's been at Lafayette that understands the landscape, a dude that learned under Nick Saban. But it wasn't big enough game. So LSU did what LSU does. Right? Les Miles, old white dude coaching in the Midwest. Ed Ogeron. Old white dude from the bayou. Brian Kelly. Old white dude from the northeast. Now, I get it. I probably, you probably think I'm a cynic. You probably think, oh, here go RC with the race stuff. It's not about race. I think anybody can win here. We proved it. Ed's gone because Ed ain't coached the right way. Because Ed ain't lived the right way. He's gone. But he coached the best, greatest college football team of all time. You're going to win here. That ain't hard to do. But you had a chance to make a change. You had a chance to do something different. No, we chose winning. And you should always choose winning. There's different ways to win, though. And so now there are these players... That have to say, okay, is the LSU tradition why I'm here or what's Coach Odat tradition? Is all I've ever wanted to do was wear purple and gold because if all I've ever wanted to do was wear purple and gold, it doesn't matter who the coach is. But you got to understand that tradition too. That tradition isn't necessarily steeped in winning throughout history. It's the reason that when I was at school, all they ever talked about was Billy Cannon. From 1958, Kevin Falk started to change that culture. Kevin Falk made it a culture where if you were a star in Louisiana, there was no place you wanted to be other than LSU. And we want people to want to be here. You want people to rush and jump at the chance of being the coach at this school with this culture of football, with this love of fans, with this type of, of, of energy, right? With this type of passion for what you do. You want a coach that'll leave in the middle of the night to be here. But do you want to send your kid to somebody that'll leave in the middle of the night to beat someone else after they sat in your house and told you how much they needed your kid there, how much they were going to be there for him? Do you want them to send an overnight text? a late text, a you up text. They say, I'm sorry, I can't tell y'all this face-to-face, guys. I love everything that we've done, but I got to go. I got to go because those kids are better, and that's the truth. I got to go because I got a better chance of winning the national championship, but that's the truth. But do you want your kids to be a part of something where the man just says, you know what, you're not worth looking in the eye face-to-face and telling you thank you because that's what happened. But it's not just Brian Kelly. That's, that's, That's all of them. That's what they do. That's why the transfer portal is a thing now. Because people now figured out that we have to understand that these kids look at the culture of these schools based on the coaches of these schools. They're not going to Oklahoma because they love Oklahoma. They're going to Oklahoma because they feel like Oklahoma could do a certain thing under Lincoln Raleigh. They're going to LSU because LSU could do a certain thing under this coach. They're going to all these different places and being a part of all these different things because of the people. But you got to understand, if you're the parent of a young athlete, you are not handing your children over to another father. You're not handing your children over to another mother. You parent your kids. You are handing your child over to a capitalist. A capitalist that will never put your child in your child's wants, your child's well-being, your child's passions. Over their own ambition. And I don't say these things. To make you feel like these things are a negative. I say these things because they're true. I got a kid that does the same thing. He just found out that his coach was staying. I was asked questions. If Coach Herm leaves. Or if they're not there. If the coaches are there. Will Jordan stay? I said I don't know. He told me that he'd stay. He told me that he made a choice to go to that school. He wanted everything to stay the same. He's excited that it stayed the same. But his his, he wasn't just there for that. But you got to be smart about that because cultures change because people leave. And so now, when you look at what Notre Dame now has to do, Notre Dame now has to get uh, whether it's their, their offensive coordinator or now Marcus Freeman, who's the head coach, they got to stand in front and say, I'm not leaving. Right, Because these kids that made a decision to go to Notre Dame because Notre Dame was steeped in tradition Because of what people felt about Notre Dame, how much people wanted to be at Notre Dame All of these kids that had that, right or that felt that, that were there because of that Now see somebody leave and jump to go somewhere else And maybe the tradition and the culture that is there and all these things is no longer as important to, to other people as it is to them They had to get coaches to say that it's just that important Now, think about twist and culture Marcus Freeman is a young superstar in coaching, so much so after leaving Cincinnati last year, he interviewed with LSU for the defense coordinator job before Durante Jones eventually got it, right? Who Durante Jones was, was part of a culture that didn't like what he wanted to do early on in the season in football, and now we're wondering why the defense eventually gets better. It's because Coach O left him the hell alone, Coach, oh, let him call the defense that he'd been wanting to call the whole year that he didn't want to be a part of because he wanted to see it happen a certain way. And you wonder why you can have the Derek Stingley's gone and the Elias Rick's gone and you can have the injuries in the secondary. You can have the injuries up front and a guy like Damone Clark can become the bucket's front runner. It's because you let somebody do what you paid them to do. But because your culture or because your, 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 your traditional, traditional look at what football should look like wasn't what Durante Jones wanted, you didn't want that. That's why a guy like Marcus Freeman brings his wife here and his six kids. And she looks around and sees the culture of LSU, sees the culture of Baton Rouge, sees the traditions, sees all these things that we love and hold that aren't the same to her. She ain't from here. And she says, Notre Dame fits me better. That culture fits me better. That's why Brian Kelly can't make that call and get Marcus Freeman here. But that's why I know the dame that sees a guy like Marcus Freeman, sees those principles, sees those beliefs, sees those morals, sees those work ethics. says. It doesn't take me more than one year of having you here to know that you should be the next coach of one of the most historically traditional great organizations or great universities in ball. We want you to be a part of this. But that's what it is with universities and organizations who are steeped in tradition in winning, in success, in building Hall of Fame careers. See, the culture of some of these organizations, they, 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 they are created by that history or they are created by that success. They are created about that by that tradition. And those are sometimes the hardest to adjust to. Those are sometimes the hardest to integrate into. Those are sometimes the hardest to adapt to. It's like playing for the Steelers. I mentioned how I got there, and no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not biased toward the Steelers, or feel like every opportunity I get to talk about them, I have to say something good, or I have to be like, okay, I, I, I can't be negative about them, because that, that's not what it's about. But when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, and you think about this team through the '70s, all those dudes in the Hall of Fame, Donnie Shell just went. he should have been in the Joe Greens, the Mel Blunt's, the Jack Ham's, the Jack Lambert's, the Franco Harris's, the Lynn Swans, the Teddy Bradshaw's. It's all of them, all them dudes in the Hall of Fame. It's actually probably harder to get into the Ring of Fame or the Hall of Fame and the Pittsburgh Steelers than it is to do it in the real one, to get the gold jacket. When Troy got selected to the Hall of Fame, I got invited to a dinner mostly because he's just my friend. The Mel, Mel Blunt, Rod Woodson, Joe Franco, everybody's there. Bill Cower, Adam Fanica, who goes in the next year. All these people are there. Troy gives his speech. And Troy says it's not about getting selected or elected to the Hall of Fame. It was about guys like them. Guys like the Hall of Famers who were in that room. The Steelers Hall of Famers saying, you could have played with us. We accept you. You are now a part of this brotherhood forever. That's what it was. That's what it is. So then when I became a part of it and you walk it around and you see this tall dude in the cowboy hat named Mel Blunt in, 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 in boots. And then you wonder to yourself, why in the hell didn't he play DN? But then you start to have a conversation with him, and you you you, you learn that he's from the same place you from. You learn that he went to school and in the same area you went to school. You learn that now he stays there and he has this foundation and he continues to help young people in Pittsburgh. Why are you still here? It's because of the tradition. It's because of the culture. It's because of the way they bring those guys back because they want the the people who are now in that locker room, who now sit in those seats, who now wear that logo and that emblem on their helmet to understand who they now play for who they now represent. And so when we're in the 2008 AFC Championship and Troy gets a pick six in the next play, I see uh, Willis McGahee shift to the side of Joe Flacco the same way Darren Sproles shifted to the side of Phillip Rivers the week before. And I see the same type of release and I dig my feet in the ground and I run downhill. All I'm thinking is I'm not going to stop until I run through his face because that's what we do. Not just this team, not just Ryan Clark, not just football players, but that's what Pittsburgh Steelers do. And so I made some news this week on Monday after Pittsburgh played the Cincinnati Bengals, but it wasn't just Cincinnati. It was the Los Angeles Chargers. It was the Detroit Lions. It was constantly seeing this team physically dominate. I said, that's not what Steeler football is. That is not the culture. It's not about winning. It's about that effort. It's about that strain. It's about understanding who you represent. And that's hard. That's not easy. I said it earlier. It's hard to adjust, hard to integrate, hard to adapt. That's hard. When you play for some of these organizations, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, like the Alabama Crimson Tide, you are standing in the footprints of legends, and those are big shoes to fill. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Because when you recognize that culture, you understand what the standard is. You understand what the people of this city have always had. You understand what this coaching staff, what this family who owns this team has always had. And when you don't uphold that, that's an issue. That's why Rocky Blyer comes out and says things. This man been to war. What you going to say? He been to war. He's been to war. Chris Hokey. A guy who had to make it from the bottom to be a part of one of the best and greatest defenses of all time. Yes, 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers, so that's why they would cover ESPN Magazine, one of the best of all time statistically. Chris Hokey was a part of that. Chris Hoke was a part of that because he worked his way up. He pulled his bootstraps up, he understood he wasn't ever going to be a star, but he had to do what he had to do for him to be on the team and for that team to win, and he did it. Vince Williams the same way, one of the holdovers from my time and my era to the new era. We all feel it. And then there's some that that like, like like the tradition ain't even that long. But you know what the culture is. Tradition doesn't always breed culture. Sometimes you gotta force that culture over on, on other people. And it may not be, it may not be the popular thing. It may not be the prominent thing. But it is what you have to have to win. Your culture has to be strong. It has to have a foundation. It has to have its principles. Look at the Patriots. Patriots were a team that couldn't win a championship. You get there at 85, you get stumped out by the Bears. You get there, I think, in 96, you lose to the Green Bay Packers. You win it with Tom Brady, 199th pick. But you win it because Bill Belichick sets a standard and a culture that wasn't steeped in tradition. It was steeped in principle. Bill Belichick said, this is the way that we are going to come to work every single day. That's not going to change. It's not going to change if you're Tom Brady. It's not going to change if you're Ross Vitrione, who's a special teamer. We're all going to do the same thing. We're all going to do those same things the same ways. And I'm going to work just as hard as you do every single day. But you're going to work just as hard as I do or you're not going to be here. And for 20 years, they did junk we've never seen before. Six titles. We ain't never seen that in 20 years. Hell, we ain't seen it from nobody. Pittsburgh Steelers got six. Took them 85 years to do it. They did it in 20 years with the same core. Now, you want to talk about culture traveling. Tom Brady leaves the New England Patriots. Immediately when he leaves, you hear Chris Godwin. You, 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 hear, you hear Mike Evans. This is what we needed. And it wasn't just about needing the player. It was about needing the mindset, needing the culture setter. Because you could get Leonard Fournette, who Tom Coughlin cast off from, from Jacksonville. Because he he can't follow or toe that line. And Tom Brady can create a culture on a team that was a losing football team and bring him to a championship because he can get Leonard Fournette to understand how much culture plays into what we do on the grass and how much playing what we do on the grass plays into our success, to our wins, to our championships, and how they put money in your pocket. He changed the culture in Tampa Bay because sometimes it's not about the tradition, it's not about history, it's about the now. And when it's about the now, it's about human relationships. It's about am I willing to forego my individual goals to help us achieve a collective dream? That's a culture, that's a foundation. That's a base. And then we we're watching it and we we're like, oh, it can't be about culture because now the Patriots aren't in the playoffs because they don't have Tom Brady. But they had Cam. So why can't you win with Cam, Bill? It wasn't about Cam not being good enough, which we're seeing might be. It was about Bill having to rebuild, reestablish that culture, about Dante Hightower, a guy who understood that culture, being an opt out from COVID. It's about understanding the culture of how we play better with what kind of quarterback, but also understanding that, you know what, we don't go out and make these moves in free agencies or make these moves in all these other places and do things that take away from who we are. So we could go get a Nelson Aguilar. We can go get a Kendrick Bourne. We can go get a John New Smith. We can go get a Hunter Henry because we were best when we were in 12 personnel anyway, because that culture is steeped the tradition and history now and success because we had that when we came. We didn't have that. Now we have that. Let's use that. Let's get back to that. Let's get back to who we are. Oh, we sit still at 15. We get Mac Jones. That's that's, that's a fit that's steeped in culture because he understands what it's like to play for a winner. He understands what it's like to play for a coach that is going to continuously push us. He gets those things, and in getting those things, he's going to allow us to get back to where we need to be. And now you're sitting second in the AFC with an opportunity to play the Buffalo Bills on Monday night and now be the team to beat again in the AFC East. Culture of locker rooms and sports and organizations and universities are set so many different ways. There is no one way to build one. You don't necessarily always set out to change, build, and keep a culture. But you gotta know that they're ever-evolving. You gotta know that culture is an everyday thing. And that every day you show up, You either have to be willing to add to that culture or uphold the standard that has been set by that culture. The day you don't do that is the day they don't need you. And as soon as they find out they don't need you, they won't have you. Chasing culture its a hell of a race. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Thing about being a loser is nobody ever know your name. Uh-huh. This is face first. See you yeah. next week.
0: Underestimated and still I made it. In the book of hard knocks, I'm highly educated. Nobody told me looked over, but still dedicated. Played in the league for 13, I ain't gotta be favored. Hallelujah. I stood with the greatest. The thing is, this is never rich. I'm good with my neighbors. DB Precision television, ain't ask for no favors. Numbers don't lie, neither do pictures. Just look in the papers. No backing down or turning back. Part two of the movie. Never the biggest, but it takes more than two just to move me. Ain't gotta like what I'm saying. Just watch me go to work. And tackle all of these topics right here on face Facebook.